Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and today we are bringing you part two of our bonus episode on House of Scott and Breath. Last week, we covered the things that we missed on our first read and the parts that really stood out to us. So today we'll be going over all of our questions that we still have after our read, the ties to the SJMU, and then we will wrap up our final thoughts. And as a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. So starting off with all of our burning questions, and not that we didn't already have a lot in part one, but we're bringing you even more today. And this one has bothered me since the prologue, really. It describes dread wolves, and Lydia has these dread wolves. The hound has these dread wolves. And I just want to know what exactly is a dread wolf and how and why they are different than other wolf shifters. And isn't Mordok also a dread wolf on top of being a bloodhound? Or is he just a bloodhound? I think she's his top dread wolf. Like, he commands the other dread wolves. Like, he's her second in command. So, I think he is as much as I can recall off the top of my head. But, yeah. Yeah, I think he is too. But I do know on page 339 of the hardback edition that I have, Ethan says, we are wolves. And then he goes, the dread wolves, they're demons in wolf's fur. Wolves in name only. How are they made? Where do they come from? Are they yeah. like descendants of hell or are they like Valg? Mm-hmm. What are they? Yeah. Are they just like other demons that mated with wolves and now they're dread wolves? Or are they just like, I don't know. I just have questions does, on them. And does this tie to the fact that the prime was like, we gave up our true essence to bow to the Asteri. And it's mm-hmm. like, we say we're free, but we're not was part of this what they gave up them giving wolf shifters over and they were experimented with to make dread wolves like yeah we know the steria are doing some experimentations yeah in the grand scheme of things this isn't the biggest burning question i have for sarah but it's still a question it bothers me i just want to know so mine is who is command it mentions that it's 20 people mostly humans with a few veneer one, who are the veneer on this command? How are they even allowed to be there? Because we know from basically from Pippa that they like hate them and don't like, trust them. So the how fact- do they let them be a part of the decision-making process? I guess it's not the whole rebellion, but obviously Pippa's is very fanatical and her unit is fanatical. There's no veneer in her Lightfall unit, whatever's left of them after that whole scene. massacre. And she at least had to bow to them and she has to answer to them. So it's like, who on Ophian does she answer to? She answers to Vanir. I just have a, you know, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, I want to know, is there actually angels that we don't know of? Like, Mm -hmm. does Lydia know who's on command? I think, I I think this is Is Lydia on command? I think this is for sure going to be an answer we'll get probably in Hofas. So Sarah said that Hofas is the last book in the trilogy focusing mm-hmm. on Bryson Hunt. So if it's kind of following the same thing that we saw in Akatar yep. with the Aka War being like the book where like all the cards were laid on the table and the war was fought and the war was won and everything is all happy to do da day until we get to Akasif and then it's like not happy to do da day. Like mm-hmm. things like things are brewing in the background and things are coming and we mm-hmm. know they're coming. Then I feel like Hofaz is going to be the book where everything is laid out on the table to help end the war unless she's just going to decide to like 
extend it like extend uh, yeah I could definitely see it being more like Akatar. so this one will be but it kind of doesn't make sense with the naming scheme of the houses and then all of that yeah the so like that fourth kind of house really throws everything off right but unless you know this next book is the accumulation the war coming I don't know I just can't see it all just being done in this next book because these two books have been such a building building I can't just see one book when it finally just all comes yeah like it kind of needs to be like an empire storms yeah moment and I think at least maybe with Hunt and Bryce's part that will be a big part of the next one then I feel like later books like I don't think Lydia and Hunt are going to be solved in this next book I don't think hypaxia and all of that mm-hmm. stuff's going to be solved in this next book because it's one thing of just defeat in the Asteri but then they've got to like dismantle the hierarchies of the angels and the archangels and then the fae and you know it's going to have to be a completely world shift from this powerful monarchy or like absolute dictatorship of the Asteri to a democratic population yeah whatever it's gonna be so I just yeah I just can't see all of that happening in one more book it's kind of like what you're seeing in Akasif of like the beginnings of like trying to put the pieces back together in Prithian mm-hmm. now that this war is over and the wall is down and like trying to figure out yeah because there's where so to go next. many players at play players at play in this <laughs> like you know with all of the houses and all of the heads and you know, and just our characters that are mainly in it, they're just a small part of that. But yeah, I just kind of got off. <laughs> yeah, got off. Um, we, we got yeah. off. But also one last thing, and then we can move on. I think what's going to make Hofast and like how that plays out different from Akatar is that like reading Akatar, you are only in Feyre's head, mm-hmm. barring a couple of scenes. And that's it. We got like a prologue with Reese. And a couple of bonus chapters of other people's POVs. And until A Quarter Frost and Starlight, we were never in anybody else's head but Thayra's. Right. Whereas in Crescent City, we have been in multiple characters' heads. Mm-hmm. And she expanded that in even more in her Yeah. In- mm-hmm. So I feel like she was able to like end Reese and Thayra's part of the journey. Yeah. Where they kind of tied focus. it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like with this, with so many POVs that transition into the next phase after this next book mm-hmm. is going to be different than Akatar's is because mm-hmm. there's so many character POVs that we already have. So it's right. not going to be weird to just keep Bryce and Hunt in there when we're already getting right. seven other POVs. Yeah, yeah. It, it made it easier to not just have one book based on one couple. Even though they're technically the main characters, we still have all of this other going on and we get just as much from all of these other people Yes. As we do them. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, sh- the focus might shift more to other characters, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be easy for her to keep Bryson Hunt included in the mm-hmm. views we get. So my next question is, what exactly did Sophie find out about the Asteri? Was it just Dust Truth or was it actually something bigger mm-hmm. than everything we got in Dust Truth and like figuring out that they were basically pulling the first light to charge themselves like is it something more or is like that it or not saying that's not a big bomb to be dropped on them but right which because Danica had a hint of what dust truth was something important 
Mm-hmm. And she also knew that Project Thorough was something important. So did Sophie find out what that is? I, I just feel like her being in the Asteri Castle, because how long did it say she was in there? It took her two years. Yes. And she was working in there and figuring stuff out. She had to find out way more than just, which that is technically the biggest shock, but she had to find out more secrets too. I think so. I agree with you. I feel like she probably figured out exactly how to kill them. Like she had to figure out a weakness or something Mm -hmm. because she was like, I have the information to destroy them in her thoughts and that she was holding that over Offeron's, Ophirion's head. Ophian. Ophian. Mm -hmm. Because those numbers in that sequence don't seem like that big of a secret because the Autumn King recognized those numbers and knew it was something too. Which I have questions about how he... Yeah. (laughs) But we're just gonna... I can't with him. In chapter one, we see the statue of the Fey male with the hammer raised above his head in the sky and the lightning cracking down, and he's forging a sword, and Bryce explains that, and she translates it based on the language, and I just want to know who that is, and it's the making of what sword? Like, what sword is that for, like, is he forging? And then- How are we going to see that sword? I know, like, what sword is that? Because that seems like a big deal- if there's like a statue and like how much all of these paintings and statues and busts and stuff that are attributed to looking like Hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we already know it's based in some of reality because you have the Valkyrie right, riding a Pegasus. We know based in Prithian, we have a Valkyrie riding a Pegasus. So that's at least something's true in that artwork. So, and then chapter 31, Bryce describes Hunt she says it and she's like, he literally looks like that statue come to life with like lightning cracking down and a mm-hmm. hammer raise. Like, and she just links him so much to Thur. And we've talked about this in, in detail, so I won't beat it over your head again. But yeah, just the likeness to Thur over and over and over and over again. Like if she comes, if she pulls a curveball and he has no attachment to Thur, I'm like, yeah. then why the heck for like two books are you like, this man looks like Thur? You could have just left it out at that point. Project Thur was the last time that anyone got close to the truth as Danica did. So I'm just thinking that was Hunt's father or it's him reincarnated as it's something, but we'll we'll move on. So in chapter five, Hunt is thinking about Vic and I'm wondering like, will they try to go and save her? Because like if they have access to the Ocean Queen, Mm -hmm. the Ocean Queen can go down there and get her. Yeah. And they said that, like, she's alive and she's trapped. So I just feel like... They keep making references to her. Yeah, like, if she was just going to be, like, left alone, there would have kind of just been, like, forgotten. Yeah. And then I just have questions about the River Queen as a whole. How old is she? What is her end game? Like, what, what is she wanting? What is she trying to achieve? Like, how did she find out about Sophie and what she was... And why did she want her so bad, even if she was going to be just a corpse? Like, why did she want her so bad? Like, is she working with the rebels? Does she want the intel that Sophie had? Or did she just want more power for herself? Like, it was a selfish reason. Yeah. Which I can see that with the way she's described and how Therian describes her. It's bothered me about the River Queen's daughter's name. Why is it so hidden and not told? But then I was listening to A Happy Hermit and one of her podcasts she was talking about Therion and she was like it's just aggravating and kind of disrespectful that he's 
been attached to her for like 50 plus years, but he can't give her the respect to say her name. So I wonder if it's just him not showing her any respect and just looking at her as being like the River Queen's daughter. And so he just kind of stuck with her for that reason. Or if the name is actually being hidden from us for like a legitimate purpose. Mm -hmm. In the same way we have questions about the River Queen, have questions about the Ocean Queen and how old she is. Because we've said before, she remembers a time before the Asteri. She's obviously against the Asteri and their rule and how they rule. Like She seems pretty fair and just. She helps people get away from them. She helps rebels, even though she doesn't ally herself with Ophian either. And mm-hmm. I think at least House of Many Waters is going to be super epic. And I think it's going to talk about her and the mayor, the background, maybe the River Queen. Because there was a bunch of things that the, I can't remember what the lady's name on the ship was, Captain or Commander something. But she was very, like, didn't want to say a lot of stuff. Like, when they would ask her questions, like, she just she was smart. steered clear of it. Mm-hmm. Like the ancient civilization and all of that. She was very tight-lipped about it. So I think House of Many Waters is going to be pretty cool. I think it's going to be about that side of Midgard. And I think it'll it'll be pretty good. So I have questions about Lydia and Hypaxia's fathers. Who were they? And why did their mother decide to have daughters with males from two separate houses? And making the agreement that if the daughter showed witch powers, she would live with the mother and if the daughter didn't have witch powers then they would be given to the father like and as a mother why would she agree to something like that and then I have more questions on Hypaxia I know we talked about this last time of like who were the spirits that trained her like Mm -hmm. who were her tutors because they were all before the time of the Asteri and how did her mother even know about them to pull them what all did they teach her and what powers does she truly have she was able to remove the crown from hunt like it was not even a big deal that's a lot of power and is she truly that much powerful than lydia or is lydia have secret gifts that she's like keeping hidden for a purpose yeah like what other gifts does lydia have besides shifting and we've never seen her shift i think that would be interesting yeah Mm -hmm. and i want to see her shift that would be awesome so on page 399 it says Hunt had been in Sandril's possession when the Hind had signed on. Recruited by the Archangel herself to serve as her spymaster, Lydia had been young, barely into her 20s. She just made the drop and had no apparent depth well of magic, other than her swiftness as a deer shifter and her love of cruelty. Her appointment to such a high position had been a blaring alarm to stay, the, stay away from her. She was a veneer who crossed any line if she pleased Sandril greatly. Pollux had courted her almost immediately. So, like, everybody keeps viewing her as being not that powerful, except for the fact that she's a rare deer shifter. Mm-hmm. But, like, how at barely 20, just made the drop, the Archangels and the Asteria were like, yep, her. Mm-hmm. She's in charge. What? And everybody else is, like, hundreds of years old at that point? Yeah. Like, it's just her cruelness that made her rise to power. Like, I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. And I feel like it has to be with the dad. Like, something about him. Yeah, Lydia is a huge just question mark for me. It was interesting on this reread because it was only my second one to now when we get her identity and we know that she's now Agent Daybright. Mm -hmm. She's the hind. 
you know, she, she's kind of like three people in one, who Lydia is, who the hind is, and day. It's just, she's one person, but she has all these different facets of herself that she has to try to hide. She's like Aelin. Yeah, yeah. So now that we know at the end of this that it was her the whole time, I was looking at each interaction differently. Mm-hmm. And I did want to note, I know some people were like, oh, well, she's, you know, Aelin and Rowan's daughter. Or descendant or something. Yeah, yeah. descendant. Because it has her ring, which is gold with a ruby. Which is interesting because, I mean, we do have that ring somewhere else. So we only get, like, one singular mention of her ring Mm -hmm. and also of Rowan's ring. So it just says she wore a gold ring crowned with a square, clean-cut ruby. So then I pulled it up on my Kindle. So this is in Chapter 37 of Kingdom of Ash says the thicker ring held an elegantly cut ruby within the band itself while the smaller one bore a sparkling rectangled emerald mounted atop the stone as large as her fingernail and that's the only description we get I want to know why Sarah pointed that out like I don't know if it and I don't think it is related to Rowan's but it's like why did she call this detail out yeah yeah like if she calls out a small detail like that Mm -hmm. it's important but when I went back and looked, I don't know what you mean by an elegantly cut ruby. Like, what shape is that? It could be any any shape. Yeah, like yeah. literally any shape. Yeah, it um, just has a nice cut to it, yeah. And this one says it was crowned with a square ruby, and Rowan's is held the ruby within the band itself. Like, that just makes me think that these are two different rings. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that both of them both have, like, the only ruby mm-hmm. rings that we hear of. Her beauty is constantly talked about, and they mention multiple times that she looks just like the spitting image of Luna. And then Luna has her wolves around her, and the hind has her dread wolves. Like, what is the connection there? <laughs> like, what if Aelin? So Aelin is Mala, reborn. Lydia is Luna. Bryce is Thea. So who the heck is Feyre? Because we mm-hmm. know Feyre's somebody. Who's Elaine? Lane's the mother, I already know. Yeah. Already yeah. And then Nesta was death. Mm-hmm. But also Lydia. And Hunt is Thur. Yeah. <laughs> They're all reincarnated. But also with Lydia, we talk about how she was 20. She made the drop. She rose to power because, yeah, all these beings are so much older than her. Like Mordok, think of Mordok and how powerful he is. He's her second in command. Mm-hmm. Like he answers to her when he's so much older older than her that just doesn't make sense to me I want to know how she started working with the rebels like what how did she get into contact with them what made her switch alliances what Mm -hmm. happened there like how did she come to start working with the rebels oh yeah I just want all of her backstory like I just need it because I just have so many questions about her things I want to point out though is that the first time Rune sees Lydia in person the line is, Rune found himself himself faced with the most beautiful female he'd ever seen. And this is page 346. And this just gives me, they were describing Reese at Kelamai. But then on page 336, um, he describes her as her eyes lit with unholy fire. And that just reminds me of Aelin. So like, she has so many descriptions that remind me of other characters. Mm-hmm. And then a line that haunts me, and I just want to know what she means by this, is that on page 723, 
she tells Rune, she says, talking about Pollux, she says, my fate is bound to his. And then Rune responds with, your fate is bound to mine. And I'm like, one, how is her fate bound to Pollux? And two, Rune's giving me mate vibes with that line right there. Yeah, yeah. That's a theory that's like almost canon to me at this point. That is one of the heels I'm prepared to die on. <laughs> like, I have a couple of heels, and that's one of them. What haunts me? Vaxian. How is he both a shifter and an angel? And I want to know who his parents are and like what bloodline is he related to? Because the reason that him and Danica, I forgot Danica's name there. Um, the reason him and Danica met was on page 699. He said, she wanted to know about my shifter ancestry really old shifter ancestry that manifested in me after years of lying dormant. She was examining the most ancient bloodlines in our world and saw a name on an early ancestor's family tree that could be traced all the way back to the last living descendant, me. What bloodline? What ancient bloodline? And how did we get a shifter angel? And why does Ethan hate him so much? Because Ethan is like dog. Mm-hmm. Like, like- like down talking him because he shifts into a dog as opposed to a wolf. Another question I have is with Baxian and Lydia. And I just want to know what's going on there because on page 400, Lydia and Hunt are having an interaction in the hallway. And then it says a dark figure loomed ahead of them. Baxian, his eyes were on the hound, stony and yet seeking. She stops short. The hind stopped short. What was going on there? Like, what does either Baxia know about the hind for her to, like, show fear of him? Yeah. Baxia as a whole. I need more (laughs) in our next book. So much more. And then I just want to know, like, I just want to know about Fury. Like, what did Danica sniff out about her? She was the only one. To know what Fury was. And now she's gone. Mm-hmm. With Danica. She's like, she didn't just sniff out bloodlines. She sniffed out those with interesting powers too. And we never get an inkling of what Fury's power is. So no. what did she sniff out about her power? About where she comes from? What kind of veneer even she is? How old she is? So many questions about Fury. The wolves. And their history. So their history only goes back 5,000 years. They basically like wiped Nicholas Fendier and Ferris Hyslin. I said that incorrectly. It's fine. This is the line, like the beginning line of where Danica descends from. Like they don't have anything past that point, but they also wiped them from their history. Like the prime says they're not allowed to talk about them. Mm -hmm. and that like a lot of the wolves have forgotten who this line was and he says that the wolves yielded their true nature to the asteri and that they do not know how to get back to what they were before but that Mm -hmm. he thought danica would have led them back what is their true nature what were they like before they made this agreement with the asteri why did they make this agreement with the asteri like what did the asteri have over their head Mm -hmm. to make them just bow down was it just vast power or like what were they given in exchange and then this line about danica just really makes me think she's probably going to come back from the dead but like why is the prime so 
why did he just continue to go along with it too? And why did it have to be all on Danica's shoulders is what I want to know. That whole thing's going to come to place, especially with this mystic wolf fendier air type thing. I think a whole reckoning with the wolves and Sabine, all that's going to play out about all them finding out. S- yeah, that's all while we were introduced to this mystic girl. And then I want to know exactly what it was specifically about the Thunderbirds that was a big threat. Was like, could they possibly have been able to like suck the first light out of the Asteri and kill them? Because it kind of gives the same vibe of like Maeve killing the dragons because the dragons were, their fire was the only thing that could burn her and kill her. So like, is it a similar thing with the Thunderbirds or what specifically about their power made them dangerous can the thunderbirds pull anything that has first light because technically anyone with power which bryce didn't make her drop on the illusion system so that means she still contains her first light like could Mm -hmm. she chain her first light from someone like bryce or anyone who didn't make the drop like because now they give that over to the asteri to have Hmm. but if they kept their first light could thunderbirds do that as well Um, Yeah. On page 145, it says, There was a fae female from a powerful family who the Autumn King wanted Rune to marry. Who is this fae? And it was like Cormac and Rune were both potentials for marrying her. But in the end, neither of them ended up marrying her. So, like, is she alive? Is she dead? Did she end up marrying someone else? Who else is considered strong enough for her to marry if she was some from some like all-powerful family line like I got questions we don't get many references to female Faye like we have Bryce and then we know of Flynn's sister yeah and she's nasty and a brat (laughs) the other b word (laughs) you had to to pause on that one (laughs) but yeah so we don't get we don't get many Faye females in this series or at least mentions or names or anything like that yeah And then I just want to know why and how they were able to, like, erase Thea from history. Because it seems, the part of it that's weird is, like, if Peleus married her daughter and her and her daughter were basically erased from history because nobody talks about Helena. Mm -hmm. And, like, Rune is like, oh, wow, this is cool. I've never heard about Helena or anything. I've only heard about Peleus. Why? I think it's essentially Thea as a fae she allied with hell and that goes against the narrative that Asteri crafted that hell is bad and they just want to come take over Midgard and we're saving you from them like if this powerful fae warrior queen allied with them then that just like puts a hole in all of this stuff that they've carefully crafted in history because there's not many people still around who were there during the war I guess the ocean queen aside (laughs) so if the ocean queen possibly Jessica yeah like if the viper queen I'm betting on her I'm betting on her yeah if they can you know afterwards all these people are dead so they can't say anything and then they have them you know the scholars write what the history is then you I mean after a few generations it's completely lost who were the ancient gods and humans that used to dwell Midgard? 
where did they go or what happened to them Mm -hmm. and like why are all their ruins under sea like is that an ancient water civilization or did it somehow flood like it used to be above you know above water but now it's down in the sea because it's got flooded like is an atlantis situation yeah like what happened where did they come from where did they go yeah or how did they go with whatever happened to them mm-hmm. and then i have questions about cormac on page 183 he tells bryce that he was sent to the city for another reason for many reasons and then he just kind of breaks off from there and i'm like was his other reason just a meal or was it something else that we don't know about because like for periods of time bryce is like oh Cormac had a bunch of things to do, so he couldn't train me today. Oh, Cormac is off answering these phone calls and stuff. So, like, what else? Yeah, we weren't privy to everything he was doing there. Well, we didn't get his POV at all. Mm -mm. I think that would have gave us so much insight. That would have given us too much insight, and that's (laughs) why we didn't get any. (laughs) The same vein about how Lydia started working with the Ophian. I want to know how and why he did. I just can't see him out of the own goodness of his heart because we he used to be a nasty person. Like when he almost tried to kill Rune and Deck and Finn in their ordeal. How like what? How that did, was? Yeah, like how did he just have a change of heart and want to start working with Ophian? I think it eventually turned into him doing it for Sophie, but like he had to get there first. Yeah, I want to know like what event happened that kicked that mm-hmm. off. So what is it? mean that the Asteri are holy stars yeah like what do their other forms look like because mm-hmm. they choose whatever body they're in now like Regulus purposely chose a young boy which is and why weird did AF. you pick that because it's yeah it's creepy <laughs> he's yeah. like a teenage boy I mean in my head they look like how Amran did when she shed her fey body there's a bunch of th- talks about all of that we're not going to get into that but that's just how I picture it they're just like a bright white light form Mm -hmm. like there's nothing corporeal to them that's interesting I haven't thought about that so another question is why is Emil's scent described as strange yet human when we've been told that he doesn't have thunderbird power so if that's true then he should just have a fully human scent yeah, I'm convinced he has Vanier blood and Thunderbird power just like Sophie does. Like the fact that he survived in a death camp for three years when the life expectancy and the survival rate was like maybe three months, like makes mm-hmm. me think he has something extra. But the same way that she can switch between and make herself look and smell and feel completely human between her human form and Vanier form, it's like, how can he not do that? And so of course he's going to be like, Oh, well, he has no powers like her. I feel like he does. He has mm-hmm. Vanier blood. He can. He has the Thunderbird powers. He might not be as powerful, but he's got something. So in chapter 21, Apollyon says, why do you not use the gifts in your blood to free yourself, Orion? One, how does he know who Hunt is? How are the Princes of Hell so knowledgeable out about everything? We know Thanatos has his little shepherd in the bone quarter, but that doesn't give him all this other information and they call him they all call him orion they don't call him by what he wants to be called as hunt yeah Yeah. they call him orion like that's important what 
powers is he talking about? And are we going to see Hunt like just free himself from the crown that he got at the end of the book or not? And then he also tells Hunt that he is wasting the gifts that were given to him. And Hunt says that he does put them to good use. And then Apollyon says, you don't know a fraction of what you might do. You and the Starborn girl. When are we going to see all these special gifts? I feel like we kind of got a taste of it with the fact that Hunt powers and Bryce power her up and let her winnow and do things like that. Whereas Mm -hmm. when Bryce's powers went into Hunt, it was almost like he had raw magic. Mm -hmm. Like the ability to do whatever. It's kind of like a Karen Ambon too. Oh, I definitely think that's what, I Mm -hmm. definitely can see them having one of those. All right, guys, cut your hands and hold hands and see what happens. (laughs) He tells Hunt that they are both conduits and they have no idea how valuable they are and others like you are. Okay, well, who else is like them too? Who who are these others? Where are these others you speak of? Yes. And in this same dream, Hunt said there's a faint glow from his body. Okay, that haunts me. Two, the leathery wings that he feels and shifts around him. I'll never be able to sleep again because of that. (laughs) And then this, yeah, this whole dream, like Apollyon can hear his thoughts, but he's not in his mind. Mm-hmm. he says he's just like projecting them but it's pretty much word for word what hunt is thinking and then he says Adis would be mad with him again like what was he mad at him about the first time there's just so much <laughs> that whole dream sequence there's just yes there's pick up so many little things and then hunt's like he he doesn't get all of these little things he's just like oh apollyon visited me on a dream and told me to like warned me like they only think about how scary and crazy it is and not focusing on the words that were said yes he's like oh we'll just worry about it later no 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 <laughs> there is no there is no later now we we pushed it off enough the time we, is we now need to, we need to worry about it now we need to figure out now <laughs> yes. what's going on you need to access whatever powers mystical being powers you have not been accessing you mm-hmm. need to find those you are in a bunch of trouble right now. Now is the time to address these things when this like super scary being that's like supposed to be the most powerful thing is like haunting you in your sleep. Being like, hey, mm-hmm. you need to worry about this. Yeah, you need to worry about this now. Yeah. But I want to know why he appears different physically for Bryce and Hunt. And like how, like what are their true forms as well? Because with Hunt, didn't actually see him, but he heard the rustle of leathery, dry wings. And then to Bryce, he appeared golden-haired, golden-skinned, handsome in the way that Pollux was handsome, with holy black eyes, no white showed, which I wanted to point out is different than those possessed by Valg and Tog. They just likely have no color with black eyes. Like his whole eye was completely black, which is scary. (laughs) But yeah, so why does... Like, do they just pick and choose what forms they want? And then Adis tells Bryce he figured, you know, she would be pleased with this form. Like, what did, what's their true forms? Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a little terrified to have <laughs> to find that out. I feel like when he visited Hunt, he was probably in his true form. And mm-hmm. that was part of the reason why Hunt wasn't allowed to actually see him. Yeah. Also, I want to know would have passed out in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to know where Parthos was located on Midgard. Like where that was. Because when Apollyon appears to Bryce, he says 
that's where they are. And it's just barren land that seems to stretch on forever. Like, why didn't they build on top of it? Why doesn't it become anything else? Like, where was I? I bet they did build on top of it. I bet to keep it from anyone being able to find it. Mm -hmm. I bet they destroyed it. And then Mm -hmm. they built on top of it to make sure. Because I could totally see them being like, you know what? We've conquered this world. We're going to take their beacon of power Mm -hmm. of previous life. And we're going to build over top of it. Like that's where they built their crystal palace or something. Yes. I want to know about the true history of like what went on between Hell and the Asteri in their war. Because we kind of get Hell's side and we, we get Asteri's version of things. But like that's their versions. What's the true version of what went on? And like how did it start? And how did it get to this point? Because we know that like from the end of the book that like Hell kicked or we're assuming it's hell kicked the Asteri off of their planet and then chased them Mm -hmm. so was that really hell that did that or was that prithian that did that like how did this happen well it's it says in that room where she's going through all the planets at least we know that's true because it says it has the planet hell yeah it says when they tried to conquer it and they were kicked out based on what the princes of hell say if you can believe them that they found them now in Midgard and Mm -hmm. so they were like oh we we recognize them for when they tried to conquer us and we want to help you but I just can't see them out of the goodness of their heart being like we want to save the world from these awful people yeah yeah like what's the true history there because Thanatos doesn't give me good guy vibes no (laughs) throwing that out there none of them really and I think it's just the I think Adis tries to I thought to say like Adis that I feel like he's pretty black and then his only redeeming gray was that he fell in love with Thea and where was he this whole book for real though like where the heck were you like he just pops up and then he's like hey come find me and then disappears like Mm -hmm. okay well you almost lost your starborn princess a second time bro Mm -hmm. so like you're about to be batting over two and then does Apollyon really want to fight with Bryce or does he want to fight Bryce because like it's conflicting it's it's very blurry yeah and then where did the souls of the dead go prior to the creation of the bone quarter and other places like that and did these lands get created specifically and how did they get created so that the Asteri could feed on their second life yeah like how did all that happen because we know that sprites don't get sailings. So, mm-hmm. like, where did their souls go? Yeah, because the Underking says they don't have any use. So, I'm guessing they don't have enough residual first light. Because he mm-hmm. says that's the only reason why anyone makes the sailing is they have residual first light to be taken. We know Hypaxia made sure her mom didn't go to any of these places. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, well, where did she go? Because now she's unable to commune with her because of that. Like, I want to know what she did there. Mm-hmm. And then, is what the Asteri do- have done, is that why Starfall has a decreasing amount of stars every year? Mm-hmm. Because the Asteri are eating slash trapping their souls that would normally go through that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Underking says that what is granted to you in the Eternal Lands is merely another step in the cycle. A waypoint along your journey toward the void. There's that void capital v again 
But yeah, does that mean that all the souls end up eventually in the void? Like that's where everyone else's souls go? Like, I'm not sure really what that means 100%, but that does haunt me that he says that. He also says, the rituals were invented by you, your ancestors, to endure the horror of the offering. So he's saying that the sailing and all that, they invented that. So, I mean, how many people would want to die if they know what's going to happen to their souls, like eventually? So they made it just more palatable for them. Like the Asteri couldn't care less what they think or what they thought as long as they're going to get their first and their second light. Or did they make the sailing a thing and tell them that like only if you do the drop can you do the sailing yeah. to go to these peaceful lands? Yeah. Because I mean, you can't stop death, but yeah. people will do things religious-based to get to whatever their idea of- Or they'll try to be good and yeah. fall in line so that they'll yeah. be granted of the sailing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to know why mates and the mating thing is different for the Malachim and-, and and the shifters, yeah, like, why are they all three separate things? Because with Bryce and Hunt being mates, like, everyone, including the Autumn King, he's so shocked that they're mates since Hunt is an angel. And then Bryce is half fae. Like, she's only half fae, so she's half human. So she shouldn't really get a mating bond either. But this mm-hmm. is just further proof to me that Hunt's something more since he can have yes. a mating bond. And that just makes me think that Hunt might be part fae. Yeah. He has to have, like, some type of fae connection. And then other than wanting Bryce to be in Avalon so that she was attached to Cormac, it's why he said he wanted her to be over there, da 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 What is it the union about Bryce and Hunt strictly to them two that makes it where he doesn't want them together? And is it because them together would have so much power or is it something else? And then I also find it just weird that both Ethan and Connor felt like Bryce was their mate like they both had that same reaction of like there was a tug and we just knew you you were going to be our mate but I want to know with Ethan like how Lydia knew about his thing for Bryce and in such great detail like even his thoughts like his first thought that he had when Connor he found out Connor was dead and like all of that like how did she know that if she's a Damati, like I wouldn't be shocked and it would also kind of explain of why the archangels and Asteri mm-hmm. wanted her and here's a line that just has haunted me since my first read it's on page 312 and it says she could have sworn they fell through time and space could have sworn they tumbled toward something but she wanted to stay here with him in this body and this place time and space just kind of makes me think we might time travel but like what were they tumbling toward when she says this body what other body yeah <laughs> what does that mean? other body was she are bryce and hunt reincarnations of previous beings or mm-hmm. like were they mates in a previous lifetime if that's yeah. a thing and then it said when Hunt and her are talking about becoming mates and like that's what they're going to call themselves, she says maybe Erd had long ago bound their souls. And this just, it really just kind of adds to this were they mates in a previous lifetime. Yeah. In chapter 41, Jessica's explaining or Bryce is asking her why she has this history of 
the wolves and she says something about how she keeps tabs of all of her enemies and i just want to know what enemy she's talking about yeah me too because when she asks the question of when she states that she likes knowing the history of her enemies she says danica isn't my enemy and she goes oh so sabine and then she's like she just responds to bryce that she's oh so very young like okay jessica how old are you and who is this enemy that Mm -hmm. was a part of the wolf lineage that you wanted to know about it had to obviously be some of the first ones who did just go along with the Asteri gave up themselves for the war. Like, yeah, that haunts me. But I also want to know, like, why Jessica's always helping Bryce. Like, she acts like she's doing her a favor, but she's always helping her and always sending her stuff. And, like, why won't she just come right out and just tell her what she knows? I think it probably has to tie to the whole first war with Thea. Yeah. Based on like things that were said in the epilogue of House of Earth and Blood. And that fact that she knows Hunt's father. Yes. That line haunts me to the end of time. And what also haunts me is what name does the Underking know Jessica of? Because like Mm -hmm. he literally acts like he has no idea who she is. Yet she's a part of his house and represented him in the summit. So like Mm -hmm. it makes no sense. Yeah. In chapter 46, I want to know who put Aradne in the ring if it wasn't the astronomer? Mm-hmm. And how long had she been in there? And what name did she use to go by? What mm-hmm. was her previous name? It's these names. It's like, oh, well, because... I know her by a different name. Like, yeah. Jessica, and now Ar- Aradne. Like, why do people know y'all as different names? And why are you just picking and choosing these names? The fact that Jessica was like, Bryce mentions that she goes by the name Aradne and she's like oh that's what she's calling herself now like how does Jespa know so much yes yeah and then on page 512 Flynn is like Aradne's your name like wouldn't it be like fire breather he was like wait naming all these things and she goes such names are for the old ones who dwell in their mountain caves and sleep the long slumber of true immortals okay what happened to these old one dragons? What mountain caves are they sleeping in? Um, Can we wake them up? And like, are they related to the dragons we learn about and talk? Yeah. Are they going to play a part in this whole thing? Yes. I'm ready to get more of her in this next book too. And towards the end, chapter 72, Bryce just passes these rooms. Like she mm-hmm. knows there's Dusk's room. Then there's, she's like, oh, there's dawn, midday, midnight. What are in those rooms? Like, but also she just breezes past them. But also, you want to know what other names for midday and midnight are? Day and night. <laughs> yes. So that's th- that's the four. What should be four solar cords right there? Mm-hmm. Dust, dawn, day, and night. Yeah. But also, mm-hmm. I agree with you. What is in those rooms? What is in them? Bridgeless tells Bryce in his whole monologue type thing says your ancestors wielded the horn and another fey object that allowed them to enter this world what other object i really believe that it's the harp and if it isn't the harp then i think it's whatever that other object was in the dread trove that Mm -hmm. nesta couldn't quite make out like if that other object isn't the horn Mm -hmm. then what they used in conjunction with the horn was that object. 
mm-hmm. but I really think it was the horn and the harp that they used together. Like, yeah, I think the that horn opens doors, object. but the harp directs it. Yeah, I think the hidden sense. object that Nesta saw that she couldn't quite make out, I think that was the horn. And then I didn't realize this until we were looking into, like, was Baxian at the summit? And that's when I realized that the hawk and Baxian were the guards standing bet- that Hunt stood between at the summit. So we've actually had the hawk on page with literally just didn't. He was there excited. for days and like no yeah. description. Hunt just didn't care. He's just the hawk. Yeah. But also, I want to know who Ephraim's original Triari is because them and the hawk stayed behind and Sandriel's original triari mm-hmm. went with Ephraim to crescent city mm-hmm. and why did he bring them to guard him in a foreign city i just got questions and then what really bothers me is why is sabine so butthurt over bryce what is it about the prime calling her a wolf and the fact that she let ethan stay with her after sabine had him kicked out of the pack mm-hmm. that like made her so upset if she's the alpha and the heir of the pack then why does it matter that some half-human fae is letting one of her rejected wolves stay with her yeah i think she knows more and that her senile dad was like true wolf right there (laughs) like what why does it matter so on page 571 they're talking about how they saw a death stalker going through nina which is like super super close to the Asteri based on wordage because we've mm-hmm. never actually seen a freaking map of anything other than the city and so why was the death stalker there if it's a demon from hell why was it so close to the Asteri? Mm-hmm. is it trying to go kill the Asteri? is it working with the Asteri? is apoleon working with the Asteri? because it says later if he sent it to test bryce's powers then why didn't it go straight to Lunathian? Yeah. Why was it in Nina first? Yeah, I have questions about that. And then the last question is, how did the Autumn King recognize the number to the Asteri archives? Has he been there that he knew it? Or has he found it in all of his studies? And what is he trying to find in all his studies? He obviously knows secrets of the Asteri. So he's searching for something. He's searching for the answers. But my question is why yeah how Mm -hmm. did he get on this path so in this next section is all of the direct ties that are linked from hosab to the sjmu as a whole so i wanted to look into what the meaning behind ophion is ophion is a primordial serpent who was thrown into tartarus which is the lowest level of the underworld slash hell in greek mythology by chronos and rhea chronos was the titan lord and then rhea was who he had the gods with so ophion's name translate translated to english is ophis which is also one of the names of the ouroboros for anyone reading Akatar, and he was also the father of the heavenly dragons. I don't There's, know what any of this means. <laughs> There's a in lot connection to in that, yeah. But the fact that Ophion translated to English is one of the names for the Ouroboros, mm-hmm. and then 
the fact that it's a serpent who was thrown into the lowest part of hell. Yeah. Just a lot of flags went off. Yeah. And I just feel like Sarah's playing games with us and she's having fun doing it. Next up, I looked into the Star Sword. It stated that it belongs to Thea's female heir. So does this mean that Truth Teller is supposed to belong to the male heir and that it's selected as? Because I don't see as giving Truth Teller away. Like, that's his. He might let somebody borrow it, but he's not going to just like, here you go, just have it. And what exactly the prophecy means that when they're both linked back together, so will they're like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Of when they come together. Mm -hmm. Yes. On page 325, Hunt notes that it appears like Bryce is seems to be talking with the sword. And then in chapter 24, when the star sword erupts with starlight and looks like an iridescent fire, it reminds me of when Aelin imbues her fire into Goldrin. And I can't wait to see what the star sword and Truth Teller will do with each other. Because also, I kind of feel like Damaris might be tied in with them because after Dorian and them kill Erewhon, the blade on Damaris turns black. It's a black blade like the Star Sword and Truth Teller are. So just feel like there's a connection there. And then in chapter 25, the Autumn King says, it's an ancient sword from another world made from the metal of a fallen star, a meteorite. A sword that exists beyond our planet's laws. And then on page 330, the star sword is described as a dark hilt muted and matte in the dimness. Yeah, so the ties to Gwydion. So in Akasith, they talk about the famous sword Gwydion. It was dipped into the cauldron by the high priestess Olena and given to Fion to overthrow the Daglin. And then Amorin said it had been gone for millennia and disappeared around the time of the last Rev trove went missing. And it is the last known cauldron-made sword. And the fact that Amorin immediately recognized it right away and called its name. And it's just how it's just talked about with this lore behind it. Yes. Yeah, they're just with As. It's like, oh yeah, As has Truth Teller. Like Truth Teller's always aims true. He never meant like... But they don't have the same reverence to Truth Teller. But then I'm also like, well, how did Az even get Truth Teller? That is the question. Yeah. That, that is the question. And then also, if the Star Sword is Gwydion, then that's just confirmation that Thea and Peleus rose against Fion, and that both stories from each world, they match up. So it's just mm-hmm. like a check mark of these both things happened. This happened at the same time. I'm still unsure of the whole Daglin Asteria Val hell thing, but yeah, at least we know confusing. that it was Thea was the queen who rose up with her general Peleus and overthrew Theon, Fion, whatever his name is. And part of me thinks that like in the way of talking about the Dread Trove, I know earlier we were talking about like what other objects did she use? And we were talking about how we think it's the horn and the harp. But what if they used all four? Yeah, like all and at one time. Wh- and all at one time. And that's why they disappeared immediately after the event. Yeah. And like what happened? Mm-hmm. And who used what object? It throws into question too. It's like if the Daglin is the Assyrian, because we know Fion defeated the Daglin, whatever, sent them out. Mm-hmm. If he's the one who 
defeated the Daglin, then when Peleus and Thea overthrew him somehow and then were kind of lured over to Midgard by their old foe or whatever the theory, they didn't recognize them. It's like how much time had passed between the Daglin being overthrown to and then Thea and Peleus and Helena and the daughters, whatever, going over to Midgard. I want to know that type, that timeline too. Yeah, all that's really kind of vague. It's so vague because we, I, we're getting the answers. It's just annoying because I want them now. Yes. Yes. I just want to know who is Thea's other daughter. Did she take Truth Teller back with her when they closed the gates and portals? And mm. why? And if we heard her name, would we know who she was? Or would the characters in like the Greece Avatar know. world yeah, mm-hmm. know who she was? And Erin um, knows nothing, so she wouldn't. Yeah, don't what? ask Feyre. She, homegirl, she just learned how to read, <laughs> like, literally less than a year ago. So let's not pull. Yeah. She doesn't know the history. But we're in it's... her POV for all of it, and she knows nothing. So it's like, and so can we, we please know get nothing. Amarin or Reese's point of view? Because they are keeping all these secrets that no one knows. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. And anytime we get the chance of learning stuff when it's in Cassian's oh, POV, yes. he's like, and this is boring. I'm like, Cassian, Please, do better. <laughs> yeah. Do better. You are better. So do better. And then I just want to know who created the whole prophecy that stated when sword and knife are reunited, so shall our people be. Mm-hmm. Was it an oracle? Was it a seer? Like, when did they predict this? How did they predict this? Was it Helena because she knew her sister took the sword back with her to Prithian? Like, who knows? Yeah. And then just a connection between series um, would be that Death Day is also Sam Hewen, which is, it's a pagan holiday. And then is winnowing really connected to the Starborn? Or is that just the assumption that they've built off of in Akatar because we see Faye from all the courts who mm-hmm. are able to winnow. Yeah. And we because also they see- have to have a, be powerful enough to do it. Yeah. And we also see Fenris do something similar to winnowing in Tog. Right. Yeah. It just seems like all the Faye in Midgard are all related anyway, and they all come from at least one court. We think the Starborn come from Dusk. I think they just- they don't know anything. They don't know their history. They don't know about their powers and stuff. So if anything manifests different than from what everyone else is, they're just automatically, the only thing they Star- know is Starborn. Yeah. And then on page 305, Hunt and Bryce are in the gym working out. This is Bryce's thoughts. And she's like, where was he? Even the telltale ripple of his power had faded away. And then Hunt pops up and he's like, just making sure my shadow of death skills don't get rusty. I thought I'd see if I could dim myself a bit. And this just reminds me of like a High Lord's ability to like glamour themselves to hide their powers so they're not like fully out. It also reminds me of like As's ability to like sink into the shadows. And runes to an extent where he can hide in the shadows too. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then on page 312, Bryce is described as she was flaring with light inside and out, like a living beacon. And this just reminds me of Pharaoh when she does the same thing in Akamath in chapter 55. Speaking of that, when Pharaoh glows and it's, she assumes it's because she's happy and 
Like she doesn't know where that comes from either. Yeah. And she assumes it comes from day court. They haven't really asked Helian about it or anything. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a realization for them too. When they see Bryce be when able to light up. Bryce, like a- yeah. So they're like, wait a second. Because I mean, we keep talking about all the things that they're going to be teaching Bryce. Um, Bryce is about to just drop a big truth bomb on their head as well. Uh, and they're yeah. going to be like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Because they don't know about the dust court. They don't know about any of of that stuff, of this old foe that they had to fight back in the day. So yeah, they're they're in for it too. Which also, Reese has an idea of there used to be another court. He may know how right he is. Who knows what Reese actually knows? He yeah, doesn't tell knows? us anything. Yeah. He doesn't actually tell us anything. We only get the thoughts of Pharaoh, who doesn't yeah. know much. I guess they were technically... They're like, yeah, this really doesn't matter right now because they did have a, another problem directly in front of them with Hibern and Amarantha. So I'll give them a little pass. But okay, you, you've you got time now. Tell us everything you know. And then the similarities between Faye mates across all the series. So mm-hmm. Bryce describes it as a lifetime commitment, something sworn between bodies, hearts, and souls. It's binding between beings. You say I'm your mate in front of any fae and it will mean something big to them. And then it also says to the fae, we're bound on a biological molecular level. There's no undoing it. And some fae claim they know their mates from the moment they meet them. That there's some kind of invisible link between them, a scent or a soul bond. And we know that both Ethan and... Connor both kind of say they like feel that invisible tug and link with Bryce. Mm-hmm. We know that from Akatar, Feyre, and them like describe it as like a link, like it's snapped into place and there's a tether t- tying them together. And we know you can scent a mating bond between Faye. And while Hunt says the angels don't have mates, but they call themselves mates. And is this because they were created and bred by the Asteri and it's just not physically possible? So there's just like the yeah. mating thing. It just seems across like across all three universes. And it seems a little different in each universe too. Yeah, just slightly different. Mm-hmm. But like all the same. And is it because, you know, that she talks in Akatar, it's so rare to have a mating bond. Mm-hmm. But then we're like, oh, Bayer gets mating bond and then Lucian gets mating bond and you know Cassie and Anesta get a mating bond and they're just throwing it all out there is it so rare because all of the people are just like split up on all these different planets like would it be less rare if everyone's where they're supposed to be you know and your your people are all in one place or is all the mating bonds popping up in relation to make all these characters so much stronger for whatever battle they have to face Mm mm-hmm because it does power them up. Yeah. It makes them stronger. Yes. Together. So next up is word marks and kind of like all the different times we kind of see something in regards to word marks. So on page 330, it says marble and granite obelisks rose like thick spears, many inscribed, but not with names, just strange symbols grave markers or something else and then on page 331 it says two black obelisks each engraved with a different array of these odd symbols the obelisk and a dozen more beyond them flanked 
what seemed to be a central walkway stretching into the mist. And then on page 404, when they go to the astronomer, it says, built into the floor beside them was a panel covered in a language she'd never seen before. And then on page 502, it says, he scanned the passing walls of the canyon floor, all of them carved with the strange symbols. And this was like the underwater pathway city thing they were looking at. Also, we've mentioned before is Cormac's tattoo is these strange symbols circling his left bicep. Like, mm-hmm. did he just go to the tattoo parlor and was like, I want that one. And it's just like, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> or does he know what it means? Or like, he saw it in a book, an ancient book somewhere, and he got it, like, have questions about his tattoo. And then also on page 664, when the Underking traps Hypaxian Ethan, Yes. And they have to work out all of that. It says Ethan could have sworn ancient strange symbols swirled in the light. And they look green, didn't they? I believe so, yeah. So any strange symbol, I'm like, word mark. Word mark. Word mark. If they go green, double check. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I didn't go over all of them, but all the references to the number seven. Seven and three haunt me. Seven and three just haunt me. And why? Like, what's the purpose of it? Like, why are they so obsessed with it? The holy number. I was also, when I was reading, like, the number of things that are say, said three times. And I've gotten in the habit, like, anytime, like, something is repeated three times, I'm, like, underlining it and putting a three beside it so that I can mark it and mm-hmm. kind of keep track. And then on page 39, when Rune is talking with, Lydia, she talks about her family, and so he thinks she wasn't an Asteri then. The Asteri had no family, no children, no parents. They just were. Okay, but then how are the Asteri siblings? Like, are they siblings in just the way that they're all the same type of being, so they're siblings? But then if they just were, how is there more of them? Why is there seven of them? Yeah. Why is there seven of them now, but there used to be more? Yeah. Technically six. Yeah, there's six now. There's six of them. They just refuse to let go. It's been 15,000 years. She's dead if she's actually dead. If she's actually a she. The Sirius being a girl really throws me off because I grew up on Harry Potter and Sirius is serious. Mm -hmm. As in Sirius Black. Also, the astronomer in general just gives me red flags all around. So on page 403, it said Bryce peered at the two-story iron doors in the black alley the surface embossed with stars and planets and all matters of heavenly objects we know in tog that iron keeps out magic we also know jessica had an iron door that's a tog tie and then bryce says jessica knows this guy but even she doesn't mess with him and this is like just a red flag jessica is everywhere and in everything so she's leaving him alone. Something's mm-hmm. going on. Let's have it and then it says, cold air rippled out along with the tang of salt and the smothering dampness of mold. And this just kind of gave me kind of like the same essence of the smell of Valg, that moldy, earthy, nasty smell. Mm-hmm. Rotten. Yeah. Yes. The astronomer is described as a gray-robed male stood before them. Not human, but his sit declared nothing other than some sort of veneer humanoid. His heavy white beard fell to a thin band of rope that served as his belt, his hair long and unbound, 
Four rings of silver and gold glinted on one of his weathered spotted hands, with small stars blazing in the center of each, trapped in a nearly invisible glass domes. No, not stars. Bryce's stomach turned over as the minuscule hand that pressed against the other side of the glass. There was no mistaking the desperation in that touch. Fire spites, enslaved, all of them bought and sold. So, like, what is he? I feel like he's something. Something important, too. Because Bryce makes, she was like, don't let his appearance fool you. Yes. Something like he's stronger or more powerful or something more than he presents himself as. Yes. And his library, or what his little place, reminds me so much of Reese and the Autumn King's library. And he also has an Ori. Just like Reese and the Autumn King has. And Bryce asks him, like, oh, so it's tech and not magic. And he says, can it not be both? And then they talk about the Autumn King's Ori and how it was made by craftsmen in Avalon long ago. And that he hadn't had the privilege to see it, but heard it was more precise than his own. And then he also says, some people call me the astronomer. And then she asks, what do other people call you? And he doesn't answer. Why do people have more than one name? Yeah. Why can't you just pick a name and stick to it? Because it gets real confusing. And then on page 409, it says the test tubes rested atop narrow columns, rising from a sublevel lined with more books and another walkway descending down, down, down to a black pit in the center of the floor and filing the sublevel layer after layer of darkness revealed itself, each one blacker than the last, seven of them. One for each of the level of hell, from the highest star to the pit itself. His library is literally the levels of hell, Mm -hmm. which also reminds me of the library under the House of Wind. And then I did a little section going over the mystics. So on page 402, they're like, why can't we go to the Oracle to figure out what's wrong with Connor? And Ethan says the Oracle can only see the future, not the present. And so... The mystics can look into present events while the oracles can only see the future. And I just kind of feel bad for the mystics. The astronomer says when they're not in use, they drift. And where they go and what they see will always be a mystery, even to me. The mystics can see all worlds and travel Mm -hmm. wherever. And I just don't get how they do it. Yeah, that's another one of those things that I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take your word for it there. And then the astronomer says that they cannot exist in their, meaning Crescent City's, world anymore. And that they're just kind of like in this in-between world. And I just feel like, what's that going to mean for the female wolf mystic? And does her being gone play a negative effect on the other mystics? Because he says like one went too far. And so we had to get rid of all three. And like, so, like, it feels like their minds are kind of connected somehow. Yeah. So, like, is that going to hurt the other mystics? Mm-hmm. I know Ethan had to go save her because, like, Amelia or whatever was about to go in there and kill her. Mm-hmm. Amelie. Mm-hmm. Amelie, whatever mm-hmm. the heck her name is. She's annoying. Yeah. She can go She's ahead annoying. and die. <laughs> yeah. She can go ahead and die. I don't With care. Sabine, yeah. Like, I got a list of characters you can kill off. She's mm-hmm. on it. And then Crescent Moons. So, on page 403, it says a Crescent Moon was dangling from a delicate iron chain. She yanked it once, twice, and off-kilter ringing echoed. So in Tog, the crescent moon is the symbol of the crone 
to the Iron Teeth Witches. And then in Crescent City, the Acolytes wear a waxing crescent moon. So they're moving towards a full moon. The priestesses wear, that are like young and had at a healthy age, wear a full moon. And when you get elder, you wear a waning crescent mm-hmm. moon. So yeah. those two series both have the crescent moon thing. Yep. And then on page 556, Jessica sends Bryce a picture of a book. And when Bryce reads it, it says, Among its many uses, dragon fire is one of the few substances proven to harm the princes of hell. It can even burn the prince of the pit's dark hide. And this just really kind of ties to the fact that dragon fire was one of the few things that could harm Maeve. And so she had the dragons killed. Is there a connection between the Valk or whatever the heck Maeve is? Because we're mm-hmm. not actually sure she is Valk because she just appeared on the Valk world. And that's a whole another topic for a whole another day. Mm-hmm. I just noticed in this that it said the Prince of the Pits dark hide. Yeah. So his true form or whatever Hunt didn't see with his leathery dry wings, his dark hide. Interesting. Also creepy. Kind of glad we didn't see it. Yeah, I don't want to know what these true forms of these beings are. They're scary. And then on page 612, Therion is in Hypaxia's room where she's living in Crescent in Lanathian. He describes a large obsidian sky mirror hung above the mantle. And it just reminds me of like the witch mirrors and also mm-hmm. like Baba Yellow Legs wagon thing witches in general i'm like are they all related like are they all the yes. same too and then on page 688 the under king said i thought the fae bowed to luna but perhaps you remember the old beliefs from a time when earth was not a goddess but a force winding between worlds when she was a vat of life a mother of all a secret language of the universe the fae worshipped her then so is Erd the mother because a vat of life reminds me of the cauldron, mother of all, the mother, and then a secret language of the universe, which the word is said to like be the language of universes. Mm-hmm. So if this is true and this is like three things that like connects the earth to all the worlds. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, I mean, they have Erd's temple, but it's kind of one of those forgotten things. Like they focus more on Luna or Cathona or yeah. Solus instead of Erd. So now that we've rambled on and on and on about our questions, there are plenty. And I just pray that we get them all in HopeFast. We're going to go through these. Of them. Yeah, like check mark of what we actually get. But our last part, we're going to just go over all of our thoughts, feelings, how we kind of feel about HOSEP as a whole. This is just a moment that I just love so much, and I just needed to put it somewhere. But Bryson Hunt's humor and joking about the Star Sword like it's a child of divorce, because like Rune is trying to give the Star Sword to her, and Bryce is like, no, like I don't want it. And so Bryce says she'll take it on the holidays and weekends and Hunt respond like picks up with her immediately and responds and he was like it'll get two winter solstices so it'll get double the presents and everyone else is looking at them like they're literally insane and they're just like whatever like their banter like I a, love it their banter mm-hmm. is so good and they like do literally like Ethan is on the ground with broken ribs and like bleeding and in so much pain 
and like they're doing that same thing over top him and he's literally just laying on the floor like really what are y'all doing like, like i'm right so here <laughs> this is important and then Faxian deserves better it broke my heart reading all of this like i feel so bad for him like he had a mate his mate gets killed he's been living alone trying to survive her death for two years and then he gets freed of like this terrible person the person who kills her gets killed he gets sent to this place where his life is supposed to be at better he's like trying to make friends with hunt which be his friend hunt you should have been his friend like the little scene with them playing video games together was so cute because hunt was like i was just like this before i met bryce and i understand how backseat feels i'm like yes and now he's just in the Assyrian prison People forget he's the he's in there with them. Hunt, one of Hunt's last thoughts is like how terrified he looked because he's was never had the the halo. Yeah, I need something good to happen to him. I will riot if he's one of the deaths. I have Honestly, no idea why I'm so attached to him, but I am, and I will riot. And I see what you wrote, and I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like if someone's going to die, I wouldn't mind it to be at vaccine. Only if he's able to be reunited with Danica, wherever she is. Like, if their souls get to be wherever they are and Danica isn't just gone forever. Like, I'm not opposed to him doing something heroic and saving them and him dying to go be with Danica. If they can't and he just dies for no reason and they don't end up together. If he has a Gabriel death, I will riot because there was no reason for Gabriel to die. Exactly. There was no point to it. Other than after he died for Aiden to be like, oh man, I wish my father wouldn't die. I'm like, why didn't you talk to him before this? I'm just hoping that Gabriel, yeah, I'm hoping Gabriel is now with Aiden's mom. I hope so. I I either want Danica to come back to be with Vaxian or Vaxian can die and be with her somewhere, wherever their souls are. I just want him to be happy. I just want and to I just don't know if he and can be without his mate. Then I think Danica should come back. I don't care. I don't really <laughs> like her. I just want Baxim to be alive and happy. <laughs> I just cannot imagine that SJM introduced the Thunderbird powers as a thing and then like literally killed her off like in the prologue. Like what was the point of that? So I just don't feel. Yeah, that's a huge like theory. That will, yeah, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's another hill I'll die on there. Yeah. With all the Danica's secret bombs being dropped on Bryce, I just really wanted to give her a hug. Because it was like bomb after bomb after bomb that she kept from her. And she realized Literally every like, five pages. I was like, Dad, I'm picking a different plot device. <laughs> yeah. And then, like Bryce is her over and over and over again. Yeah. Speaking of friends, though. I know Juniper is going to regret cutting Bryce off, but honestly, I felt her for being angry with what Bryce did because, I mean, Bryce came at it lovingly and, like, from a good place. But, like, hindsight, she could have seen all day how that was not going to be a good idea for her. She she reacted on impulse, and she did it to help Juniper. But, yeah, Juniper is going to, I think, be really, really upset with now Bryce is just gone, and she ignored her this whole time but yeah juniper is valid in how she feels about what bryce did and bryce definitely tried to do it out of a good place it just went about in not the right way 
Mm-hmm. But I, she's definitely going to regret their last conversation once she finds out like everything that happened. And when she gets and she's that also voicemail. Probably gonna be, yes. And she's also probably going to be super mad at Fury mm-hmm. knowing that they were going to do this and not telling her before yeah. it happened. I need a, a moment of them too. I need to know what their conversations exist of. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a little confused by them, but whatever. It's like sunshine, death cloud. Yeah. <laughs> relationship. Yes. Also, um, I want to fight the Autumn King for what he did to Rune. When Regulus revealed, like in front of all of them, that yes, what the Autumn King did to him, I am ready to see Bryce lay into him. Oh, Bryce is going to lose it on yeah. him. Can we have a moment of silence for the fact that Hunt and Bryce tried to have like a romantic evening at like a fancy hotel and instead she ended up on a different planet and he ended up in an Asterian prison yeah <laughs> so guy. like oh, he he can't he's had a rough life he's he can't had it win so rough from the moment he was born he's had a rough life he got like two months of freedom yeah poor guy the fact that Bryce wanted to wear a pink mini skirt to the bone quarter I just find hilarious. Like so it's imp- like you're not wearing that to go they're on a fighting mission for their life, and meanwhile she's trying to like keep her butt in her mini skirt. She's like <laughs> trying not to flash like, the reapers. He's like put on pants. <laughs> Mine is just Celestina. Hmm. Like out of all the betrayals and things that happened in this, I hate her so much, and I hope hypaxia is the one to kill her for betraying them her saying that love is a trap yeah. that she wishes she was out of every day i'm like yeah that's not love that's not no. love that's just like lust or obsession or something like that's not true love and yeah. hypaxia deserves way better and she celestina was on the wrong side the whole time like because she had already reported to the Asteria on hunt lying to go to bryce's parents and mm-hmm. all of that before they caught her in hypoxia at the, the celebration thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the beforehand. autumn equinox. Yeah. It's not like she just turned on them because she was worried about her relationship with hypoxia and that now that she was caught and other people knew about it. like, that's not why she did it. She already did it before then. So I just, she's got it coming and I can't wait. And then the frat pack reminds me of the bat boys, except they're like American college frat boys. But it's like the same vibe. Yeah. And then Flynn releasing the fire sprites has the same vibe as Cassian destroying a building in the summer court. Like they are the chaos creator of their friend group. And Reese is like, when Cassian's like trying to go to the summer court with him, he's like, you have a lifetime ban. And he's like, it was one building. Rune comes back to, he's like, I was gone for literally a day. From sunup <laughs> to sundown, and y'all stole fire sprites and released them, and a dragon, mm-hmm. a whole dragon. He's like, this is why I can't leave you alone. My last thought is Cormac is Reese without the inner circle and without Feyre. I hope we get something from that, which leads us in. We kept you here a long time. We... <laughs> I mean, this is we're massive- even tired of ourselves. <laughs> this is a massive book with so much information. It's linked to a whole multiverse. So it's like, of course, there's so much we could still talk about. But that just covers, you know, our basic reread. Here's our thoughts. Here's our questions. Here's what we think. As but basic we- as we could go. 
Yeah. So we know there's a lot we didn't. And a major thing, which we've only said it about 400 times, is we are going to be talking about our theories, whether we think they're true or even some chaos theories that we believe in. We'll be bringing those to you because we still, believe it or not, have so much to say about the series as a whole, even though we only have two books. All right. So please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever listening platform you use. You can find us over on Instagram at Throne of Chaos Pod. So come say hi. We are the most active over there. So if you have anything you want to say, anything you want to add, just DM us. We are pretty active there. So we will most likely get back to you. And then you can find us on YouTube. So check us out over there and subscribe if you'd rather watch these instead. It's just me and Autumn kind of having a conversation here. So just join on in. We'll love to have you. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you back in July with our normal scheduled episodes on Throne of Glass. We're almost done with the first book. Almost there. We can make it, baby. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.